Great to have you here in the new year. New Year's interesting time of year. A lot of us get a little hope, a little optimism after the year previous. For us here, we get organized a little bit, so students are kicking off. And uh, as you'll see when you walk into the lobby, our groups, if, if you haven't been at Radius long, a big part of what we do here is give you the opportunity to be a part of a group. We've become a larger church, so it's easier for you to really know somebody in a group. They're, they're green shirts. If you, you can't miss them in the lobby, folks that know about groups, says you to y'all on them. My college sons love these shirts. I don't know if they're like pickup shirts or what, because everybody asks them questions about you to y'all. One of them's in Chicago and the other one's in Arkansas. So like it's working for them. So like if you guys would go to those folks, it's really the goal is for you not to just be in a silo by yourself. Our hope has always been at Radius that you belong. You could be a part of a community, um, in this case, a spiritual community. So uh, check that out if you would on the way out. At the uh, beginning of February, I want to put it on your calendar, uh, February 1st, we're going to be here. It's a Wednesday night. We're going to cancel those groups all that week, and we're going to gather together. If you're a partner, we're going to do a partner night and just talk about the future of Radius Lexington, where we're going. Just us, not all the Radius churches. If you haven't been here before, there's, there's seven of us now in different parts of the Midlands. But just us, we want to talk about how to get after it in, in our geography. So here's what I need to do. I need to poll you a little bit. Just for my own information, right, to help me get ready for that night. You guys look so enthused about this, all right? Like, I'm not going to make you say anything. I just need a hand raised. Have, how many of y'all been at Radius for more than 10 years? How about that? See, not that many. I love it. love it. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for staying around. Uh, how many of y'all have been at Radius for more than five years? Very nice. All right, let's go less than five years. Awesome. Wow. All right, so if you're, if you're new here, yeah, yeah, we can do that. I'm going to clap. It's kind of what we do. The room fills up, and then we send some people down the road. Like, if you were to ride down into Gilbert today, there is a building slap full of people, as many people there as they are here, because about 300 of us went out there. It's, it's, a, it's a cool thing. The same thing happened over in the White Knoll community, smaller groups in Saluda and Irmo and downtown Columbia. That's, that's what we do. And so the hope is that over the course of 2023, is that where we are now? I can never remember at the beginning of the year, 2023, that we'll do that again, that, that this room will fill up. I, I moved the chairs, and some of y'all are distressed because I moved the chairs. Have y'all been here for a while? <laughs> we changed stuff. <laughs> Well, where's Noelle at? Where'd Noelle end up at? She couldn't find a row. There she is. You knew I was going to get you, didn't you? She couldn't find a row big enough for her family because I took it over here. That's what we do. We, uh, we really believe that the gospel needs to go to the world. And so if you're new here, man, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of this. You guys are here in the last five years. It's really fun to see your hands raised. You guys have been here 10 years. What about that? What about what the Lord's done over the course of our lifetime? So we're, we're to a new year, and we decided to, uh, at the beginning of a new year, be a good time to, to do a little wisdom series. So we're going to do three Sundays. Uh, I don't know if you know in the Bible, five books are dedicated to wisdom. It's Job, not Job, by the way, some of y'all little. It's Job uh, to Song of Solomon, and there's one in the middle called Proverbs, all dedicated to wisdom. It's, it's, a, it's a significant part of the 66 books in the Bible dedicated to wisdom. So when you get to the new year... It's a really good time to evaluate the year previous and try not to make the same mistakes as you did last year, right? Like, how can we improve on last year? So we decided to call this series 
no regrets. All right, like, I don't know if y'all seen that. I got a tattooed on me right there. I know that's a big forearm. I know y'all. I got some temporaries out there if you want them. It's a great advertisement. <laughs> when you're at Lizard's Thicket, you just roll up your sleeve and say, hey, why don't y'all visit our church? This is what we're doing. No regrets. I can't tell you how many of y'all have called the office and asked us if we knew we misspelled it. Yes, we misspelled it. We misspelled it on purpose, right? The art of decision-making. Uh, I read a book last year called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets by Andy Stanley. Whenever, whenever I want to uh, read something about wisdom or leadership, Andy Stanley pops up quickly. He's a pastor in Atlanta. These things are hard to button. I'm going to leave that thing on. But, uh, here's the book. We're going to uh, walk through five questions that he tries to ask before making a big decision. We'll, do, we'll split it over the course of three weeks. Um, if you want to pick it up, I'd encourage you to pick it up. It was great for me, and then we walked our staff through it. We went through the five questions. And it's just asking good questions before we make decisions. Anybody have some debt from last year that you regret? You don't have to raise your hand. Man, we were in our 20s. We hadn't had a credit card. I think we, oh, we made 25 when we got our first credit card. And the next thing you know, they just kept letting us borrow more money. And there was $9,000 on our credit card. Oh, man. And when you finally looked at it, you're like, $9,000? Based on our salary at that point, that was not a good situation. Anybody got some regret like that? I started to go with D's since I started with debt. I was like, anybody ate a few too many donuts last year? And you feeling it right now? Like, like because of that D, you started a diet on New Year's Day because you're afraid of a new, another D, diabetes, right? Like, like you're going like D, 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 I can't go there. There's a few ladies in this room that have a regret about a dude last year, right? And as you look back at that dude, you're using another D word right now in your head, right? Like on last year. So what Andy encourages us to do in this book is to pause and ask questions when we're making a big decision. He'll have five. I'll roll them out over the course of three weeks. We'll get two this morning. And the first one is one of my favorites. Uh, as I read the book, it's something that uh, we've practiced here at Radius for a long time. And people across all spectrums practice this question when they're trying to change and improve. Let me give you a couple of people that I could quote. I don't know if, you, uh, if you're a business guy. Hopefully, you read the book, Good to Great. It's a classic, maybe top 10 all time, right? Business books. It's by a guy named Jim, Jim Collins. And one of the key principles for a great company, for a great business, is this phrase, confront the brutal facts, yet never lose faith. Both those lines are great. Confront the brutal facts, brutally honest about your company, Yet ne never lose faith when you're looking at those brutal facts. When I first started back here at Radius, uh, I started Radius, and then I came back about uh, six years ago. When I got here, we did a little survey one Sunday. We asked who had been baptized in the last five years. There was a couple shy people in the room that didn't stand up, but nobody stood up. And we freaked out. It wasn't, it wasn't actual because some of the folks were a little afraid to stand up, so they didn't stand up. So that was that. But, but it, was, it was enough actual for us to go, that's a brutal fact. Well, like, we got to do something about that. And praise the Lord, there have been many since, but it won't take but a minute for us to go back to that. 
The church right now across the United States is facing a brutal fact after COVID, right? The boomers aren't coming back. They haven't come back. It was really interesting. I read an article this week. You would think that the boomer generation, thank you, boomers, for being here, like that they would be like they have gone away in droves, right? And thank you, Generation Z. Y'all are showing up. It's interesting. It's, it's, It's a massive percentage of boomers that are no longer plugged in. Generation Z is coming back at the highest percentage. Millennial second, Generation X in between. That's just a fact. We can hide from it. We can not talk about it. But in our case, we want to look at that hard and go, how do we address that real statistic? For us here at Radius, one of the things that we do to try to keep a church that's supposed to be starting to get old, if you don't know this, if you're here, you've been here less than five years. We've been here 19 which doesn't seem that old, but in church life, it's, it's, it's getting up there a little bit. So how do we keep it fresh? We plant more churches because we want to continue to go out. We named our church Radius because we wanted to love our neighbors and consistently love our neighbors. Let's go to another group. This, this is a group called Alcoholics Anonymous. A number of you have worked, walked through their program or a program like them. Right from the get, before they even get to the steps, the 12 steps, the very first law is rigorous honesty. You have to tell the truth. You have to hear the truth. Even in our darkest hours of dealing with an addiction, somebody's got, you got to be, you got to be willing to hear the truth. Martin Luther King Jr. in dealing with a national crisis said, the day we see the truth and cease to speak is the day we begin to die. I mean, folks are literally dying. Folks are getting lynched during that season in our country. But he's saying if we say nothing, then we're dying. Tony Evans, my favorite pastor, says truth is the absolute standard by which reality is measured. It's a pretty strong statement. As we look at our lives, as we look at what's going down around us, there's this question for some of you maybe, is the Bible authority? Here at Radius, we'd say the Bible is the authority. And so then it's the standard about which all reality is measured. At Radius Church, we've been saying it for almost 19 years, pray the truth about yourself. You've seen it. We used to have it up on the wall, real life, real faith. We really thought if we would speak to God and just tell God the truth, that'd be a great place to start the discipleship process. It's really hard to stop, start that when we're constantly trying to finagle how he views us. He can already see the truth. Why don't we just tell him the truth? Matter of fact, why don't we just tell him the truth in a group so we know each other for real instead of being fake like most of us know religion most of our lives. So Andy Stanley says this in a a simple way in this book, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Am I being honest with myself, dot, 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 really? It's good, good, good long pause. I'll read you a page. This is... uh, Quick quote, he says, am I being honest with myself, really? Why am I doing this, really? Why am I avoiding him, really? Why am I postponing this? Why do I keep keep making excuses? Why am I going to this, really? Why did I say yes? Why did I choose to wear this? Anybody asking that this morning? You can raise your hand. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Really? Why did I choose to purchase or lease that? Why do I drive this? Why did I order that? 
Why did I move in? Why am I moving out, really? Just to pause and ask a real question before we make big decisions as we go into 2023. There's a book in the Old Testament. It's written by a prophet named Jeremiah. We named one of our kids after him. Um, and he had a pretty tough life. I'm not sure if that was a fair naming process because he was a truth teller. He was a prophet. So he was constantly telling kings the truth, and the kings consistently rejected it. That happened in your life ever? Like the truth kind of comes in, and that you have a way of spinning it so that it's not the truth. Like, like maybe yesterday, like you, you worked out yesterday, and at like 10 p.m., you're like, I deserve another dessert because I worked out today, right? That seems like it's defeating the purpose. Like, like that, how did those two go together? Anybody else do this? Or like, I'm going to work out today so I can eat twice as much tomorrow. Like, how does that work out? We all do it. Everybody, y'all ain't even smiling. We do that. I, I, I do that. Well, Jeremiah would go to these kings, and he'd tell them the truth, the obvious, honest truth and they would consistently reject it. <laughs> so he writes this verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You look in the mirror, agree with that verse every once in a while? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So Jeremiah lived in a day when the nation of Israel uh, was paying taxes to this massive empire called Babylon. You want a crazy name? The king of Babylon's name was Nebuchadnezzar. Don't ask me to spell it. He was the most dominant leader on the planet. And so he took over this little nation called Israel, and they had to pay him taxes, and they put, he put a little king in place. He actually took the king that they had. It was a puppet state. He told the king what to do. And... About three years after Jehoiakim had become king, he started getting a little proud of himself, right? Like he started to feel a little bit better about himself. After all, this is the nation of Israel. This, this is the God of the, like, this is who I worship, except, except his life didn't match any of that, Jehoiakim. And so the prophet Isaiah comes and tells him the truth. Jehoiakim has decided he wants to uh, become an ally with another nation called Egypt down the road a little bit, and he's going to basically have war declared on him by making this decision. Isaiah just comes and tells him the simple truth, right? Like, we're Lexington High School football. No, no offense. Wait, wait, yeah, no, no offense. And they're the Buffalo Bills, right? Like, that's the Buffalo Bills right there. And we're Lexington High School. Let, let's forfeit and stay where we are. No offense. I know. You probably get at least a couple yards, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple yards. Like, this is common sense, Isaiah is saying, but this dude, Jehoiakim, he decides to do what he wants to do in 598 B.C., and so Nebuchadnezzar rolls in, lays siege to the town. Many, many, many folks die. Jehoiakim gets his eyes gouged out, and now he's a trophy of King Nebuchadnezzar. Back in the day, kings didn't have, like, trophy cases. They would actually take kings that they conquered blind them, put gold chains on them, and walk them in front of everybody just to show off. So Jehoiakim became, became that. So Nebuchadnezzar decides, it's a long story, but he appoints another king. This is, uh, he's related to Jehoiakim. The story's longer. I'm leaving a couple parts out. He, he appoints Zedekiah. 
Zedekiah is warned by Isaiah too. Isaiah rolls in and warns Zedekiah not to tick off Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? You know what Zedekiah does? He puts Jeremiah in a cistern. He doesn't want to hear it. Matter of fact, Jeremiah goes out in the street and he's telling everybody, hey, same thing that just happened is about to happen again. This ever happened in your life? Same thing that's about to happen is about to happen again in 2023 if you don't make a different decision. I don't want to hear it. So let's take that dude and put him in a cistern. Let him talk in this big cistern. We'll feed him, keep him alive so he's not going to die. But I don't want to hear it, so I'm going to put him out of earshot. And I don't want my people being influenced by it. Nine years after Zedekiah becomes king, he does the exact same thing as the last guy. He allies with Egypt. Sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar is so mad this time, he rolls in with the army himself. They besiege the city. At night, Zedekiah decides he wants to sneak out and leave his people to deal with the results of his bad decisions. They catch him. All of his children are executed. And then his eyes are gashed out. And then he's a part of the trophy case of Nebuchadnezzar. Same thing. Anybody? Ah, oh, yeah, that's extreme. You're like, bro, I ain't that dumb. I know. But somebody might think you are based on a couple of decisions you made in the last couple of years, right? Like, like maybe not to the extreme of getting your eyes popped out. What's Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand that? Who's that include in the room? All of us. Everybody's got a heart. In this case, it's not talking about the one that's pumping in there. It's talking about your soul, your inside, something beyond the physical. And he's saying that it's deceitful. Anybody offended? I don't know about you, but when I read that, I said, yes, it is. So when you listen to music on radio, what does it say? Listen to your heart. <laughs> right? Like I said, hey, bro, what do you think I should do? Listen to your heart. Man, be present and listen to your heart. Anybody? I've said it. You said it. Don't listen to your heart. It's deceitful above all that. Like, like there's no cure for it. It's naturally going to go the wrong direction according to the Bible. So probably we ought to pause and ask some questions. I think that uh, <laughs> there's probably three areas Andy Stanley brings us out in his book pretty good. It'll be interesting for us to consider going into the new year. Where should I be careful about how I listen to my heart? Purchases. Anybody? Relationships and habits. Purchases. So, 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 like, these days, you don't have to go on the car lot and come home be mad that the salesman sold you, right? Like, you did it online. That ain't nobody's fault. You sold yourself. I, I've done it. We bought a new Honda in our 30s. I think the payment was like three fifty-six. Does that sound like it's like burnt into my mind? <laughs> Somehow I talked myself into I could afford that during that season of my life, which I could not. I convinced my wife. I won't throw her under the bus. Like I convinced her to believe it with me. We bought the car. Something changed in our, in our, on our income, and we started praying that that car could be gone. Right? <laughs> Anybody? I just got to tell my bad stories. You can at least nod and say, yeah, I got one, <laughs> right? 
She started praying literally at night. Cheryl be praying, Lord, what are we going to do about this car in that 356? Guess what happened? I got hit by a semi in that car. We made money on that car. <laughs> it's a little traumatic, but we made money. You know them things on the side of the semi? Like, like when I hate those little, the, the, what are they called, lug nuts that are really long. This one had one of those. It tore the panels all the way off the side of my, off my Honda. I went over embankment. Because of great skill, I stopped before I hit a building right there. Like, I got to stop. Before I could get out of the car, the, the, the semi-driver was by my door. He thought he killed me. Really what he did was pay for my Honda, which was great. <laughs> we all got them. That's why this tattoo is so stupid, right? Like, people, go, I ain't got no regrets. Really? You ain't got no regrets? There's only one person ever walked the planet that's got no regrets. Jesus. Jesus. We all got them, and so how can we avoid them? Well, it would have been good on that purchase if I had just slowed down. We slowed down, but I, my heart was deceitful. It just kept arguing that I could do the 356. I don't know what the number for you is. That was my number. Relationships. You ever heard this question? Ladies, does he have a job? All right, there's only one answer to that, yes. Any other answer is a bad answer. Like, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, it's been a little while. That's a bad answer. He hasn't had the right opportunity yet. That's a bad answer, right? Like, like he's living with his parents because he loves family. That's a bad answer, right? She's continually texting an old boyfriend. See, she's, she's just so forgiving and loving. That's, that's a terrible answer. Like, like, what? like we make these things in, in a relationship where we excuse things that we absolutely know better than. If our friend said that that was happening in their life, we'd be like, no, man, get out of here. I literally just witnessed it at breakfast where one of the waitresses come up to me and be like, will you please talk to her? She's about to get in trouble in that relationship. It's obvious to all the other waitresses in the restaurant, but she don't want to hear it. They're telling her. I can hear them. Uh, habits. Andy Stanley used a little line in his book that I thought was pretty funny. He says, uh, sometimes when we're justifying, he says, we mean we're just a lying. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Justifying, just a lying. Y'all figured that out. Uh, you don't have to sell yourself on a good idea. Right? Like when you have to sell yourself that I need another one, and, and you, you kind of have this doubt when you're about to consume it, perhaps. You tell me what the habit is that can steal your soul. You don't have to, you don't have to sell yourself when you're being healthy. You generally have to sell yourself to be unhealthy. And so we have this unique, deep-seated deal inside of us that's deceitful, and it will it'll lead us down a path to our own destruction. So the verse says... It's, it's deceitful hearts, and they are beyond a cure. That's, that's frustrating. What do you mean it's beyond a cure? Stage four, at least there's a possibility of a cure. No, it's beyond a cure. It means that you and I are going to deal with this our entire lives. We look to the New Testament, we get pretty excited because many of us that have believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is indwelled us, and at least there's a war going on inside for the truth. 
But you and I both know that there's this constant argument against the truth. These days, we have a little phrase. We call it my truth. It's in a bunch of songs. We say my truth, and that way we don't have to argue with anybody because it's my truth, and you got your truth, and he's got his truth, and she got her truth, and we could all get along. It just doesn't seem like it's really working out that way, does it? Use a big word in the book. My truth would be my way of saying it. He says confirmation bias. So we only talk to people who agree with my truth. So we eventually cut out everybody else's truth. So is there even truth? We could get into the political world and get really uncomfortable in here, and y'all start getting nervous, right? It seems like our confirmation bias has got us to a point as a nation where we can't even listen to a different opinion. Right? Let's talk about gun control. Y'all want to? No. No, see? We can't. We can't even have a conversation. We can't even think. We've become, can I say stupid? Are there any kids in the room? Sorry. sorry. Like, like, like. We can't listen. We're so afraid that somebody might have an argument against our position that we can't even have a conversation. That's confirmation bias. That's my truth. I don't want to hear it. We're a young couple, and we just moved into a new house, and two guys rolled up on bicycles with with ties on. They came to the door, and we had a conversation. And uh, at the end of the conversation, Cheryl's awesome at this because she just outnices folks. Like, she, she starts handing out bread. I'm like, these dudes, they're trying to outnice Cheryl. They, they're going to lose. This is gonna, they're going down, right? <laughs> so what I think, though, is often happening in the church is the Mormon folks roll up at the door. They're the enemy. They're not the enemy. Let's have a conversation. What are you scared of? You scared you're wrong? So we talked. Cheryl's nice. I said, I'll go to your church if you come to mine. And so I did. I went to their church, and they're like, Four of them came to my church. I went by myself, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it's just this dumb thing that when, when we uh, are afraid, we can't even have a conversation because of our bias. And the next thing you know, married folks, you're unwilling to let anybody speak into it. Parents, really afraid somebody's going to say you're doing something wrong as a parent when that's something you're super passionate about your children. But you can't listen because you can't afford to be wrong. Jobs, you go through it. It's beyond the cure. All of us deal with it, and yet those of us that know Jesus, praise him. Like the Holy Spirit begins to help us see, and yet we see faintly. Country music addresses it. This is how they say it. I see the world through whiskey glasses, right? Like, because I don't want to see the truth. At least they're being honest about it. Like, I'm just going to drink as much as I can, so I can't see the truth. I don't want to see the truth. Finally, the verse says, who can understand it? Just put one in your head right now. How did I make that decision last year? How did that happen? If you want to, you can think about your neighbor. How did he decide to make that decision? Who can understand? Uh, Andy Stanley asked a second question in his book, and you can pick it up. It's the third chapter. This is my favorite question. I feel like it really ties well to, am I being honest with myself, really? He says this, is there a tension that deserves your attention? That's pretty good. It, I don't make stuff up like that. He does. It's pretty cool. Is there a tension 
that deserves your attention. You ever said, something just doesn't feel right? Right? Like, you're thinking about Mel Gibson in Conspiracy Theory. We're not talking about that. Like, 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 like you're not always thinking something crazy is going to happen, but sometimes you just got this, this feeling, that, but you keep selling yourself that it is true, but there's this tension inside of you, and you know you need to deal with it. Anybody? Ask your mama. She'll tell you what it is. Right? Like, one of the really cool ways to find out if there's a tension that deserves your attention is to ask somebody else. Mama's team seemed to have this freedom to say whatever they want. One of my sons, he was in college, and Cheryl was giving her wisdom, right? Like, wisdom. And, and he called me. We were talking about it. And I said, what's your mama say? And he quoted her. He goes, she's always right. He's mad about it. I'm like, she's saving your butt, right? Like, but she's always right. It might have been the tone that you delivered in, but, but who knows? Like, like it's, it's this thing. Like, generally, when there's attention, somebody else can see it. With my friends, when we hang out, one of the great questions you can ask a friend who's married is, what's your wife say? What's she say about it? It gives you a moment to pause, and somebody who really knows you well, you, they may not even have to have said it. You may just know it. I remember we were buying a house, and uh, I didn't want my dad to know I was buying it. I knew if he heard the price... Now, my dad, my, you, you, know, you know, I know Larry Reeves. Larry Reeves is never going to say anything. He, he's not even going to show much, but I know what he's showing, right? Like his body language is going to say, that's a bad decision. I didn't even want to see the body language. He wasn't going to say it. He wasn't going to embarrass me. He wasn't going to cut me out of the wheel. None of that, right? Like he's just going to kind of give me a, a, a look with no expression, which means that's a bad decision. <laughs> and so what do I do? I cut him out. Oftentimes, we discount the truth teller because we don't want to hear the truth. That's what the kings did with Jeremiah, right? They cut him out. Let's get him out of here. I don't want to hear it. And so they drove it into the ditch. We can do it with our mama. You certainly can do it with a preacher, right? You need to discount it. If I say something that gets in your business, I can give you a couple ways to discount me. Uh, in my dad's case, I'm like, my dad's getting old. Interest rates weren't so good when he was coming up. I had, I had 15 things in my head. It would have been better for me to say, what does dad really think, and maybe go have a conversation with him. And that goes for purchases, relationships, habits. Somebody that loves you, what do they think? Proverbs speaks to this really clearly. I got a couple friendships in the room. We live this out. Proverbs 27 says this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. That's a great one. You ever sat with a friend? We, we have this with a couple of my friends, and I'll say, man, what's the last 10%? I just want to give him permission to say what I can tell he's thinking, but not saying, like, tell me the last 10%. I want to know the whole thing. Psalm says it like this. Let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness. If they correct me, it's a soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. There is an attitude there that is hard to gain. It's hard to let somebody else speak in. But if there's this tension that's already inside of you, it deserves attention. You probably ought to ask somebody in your circle that you respect to speak into it. I, I have a feeling this could change 2024. It can make some things that happened in 2023 not happen again. 
So let me quit this. Uh, two questions are pretty clear, not too complicated. Next week, we'll catch two more questions. So if you want to, like, tad up and go to work tomorrow and, and say, hey, man, y- y- y'all got to come here this series, man. I'm trying to figure this out. And, like, one of the questions, you can tell them what one of the questions was today, and we'll get two more next week. Here's the good news for me and you. Jesus says in John 14 that he is the truth. How about that? So a lot of church people know about the truth, but they don't know the truth, capital T. If you read in Acts in chapter 2, people are beginning to believe in Jesus. As a matter of fact, 3,000 of them believe in chapter 2. You know what they do? They repent, and then they're baptized. You know what they're doing? They're dealing with the truth. The capital T truth. When you deal with the truth, like, like then you have to, you, you repent. You say, I'm sorry. You say, clearly, that verse in Jeremiah is true about me. I agree with that verse in Jer- Jeremiah, that my heart's deceitful. So you repent. You face to face with the capital T truth. You repent. And what's really cool about that repent and be baptized, like they repent, they face up to the truth, and then they're welcomed into the truth. They actually belong to the truth. It's an amazing thing that me and you as believers, as much as you and I struggle, today you are welcome to this table because of the truth. He says, I am the truth, and he makes a way for us despite our bad decisions from last year or yesteryear to come and meet with him. So oftentimes in the early church, what folks would do is they'd already repented and believed. They're, they're saved. They know Jesus. But before they would come take this because he is the truth, they deal with stuff. They would just kind of review their life quickly. What happens in our world is we're in such a hurry to get to the next thing that we can't pause and just deal with stuff. That's what I love about Sunday morning. It's a chance for me and you to sit together and look down the aisle instead of compete with somebody down the aisle. Look down at eye like they're in the same place as I am. Their heart's as deceitful as mine is. We all have the opportunity to interact with the truth and be able to walk out of the door refreshed by submitting to him. If you're new here, we do this every Sunday. We put Lord's Supper out. It's in the front and the back. You want to come take it. We, uh, we sing a couple songs at the beginning. We sing a couple songs at the end. It gives us a little time to reflect. And I would just encourage you, man, this week, when you get to that big decision, slow down. Ask a question. You can start with one of those two. Some of y'all got a tension working right now. You don't have to wait till next week. Like that tension's working out right now. Grab somebody that you know in the room. Say, man, this thing's been bothering me. Is that true? Is that true? I'm not sure if I'm being honest with myself. Let's pray together.